Uh, Take your Bibles this morning and find the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2. Immediately when you hear Luke chapter 2, you probably think, boy, there's a lot of the Christmas story right there in Luke chapter 2, in the Gospel of Luke. And there really is. There's a lot of information about Christmas right there in Luke. It's probably the most famous Christmas passage of them all. You learn a lot. In your Charlie Brown Christmas special, if you've ever seen that before, they're quoting Luke 2. But I want to turn your attention to Luke chapter 2 and verses 41 to 52. And this may be a little bit different than what you're used to on Christmas. We're in a series on Christmas entitled The Temple. And I know it sounds like a very interesting, unique, and different Christmas series. It really is. We're focusing on the life of Jesus Christ, going backward through his life after the resurrection and ascension, all the way back to his birth, on events that center around the temple or the tabernacle. So we've talked about in Hebrews, after his resurrection and ascension, when Jesus presented himself as the perfect sacrifice in the perfect tabernacle in heaven. Last week, we talked about Jesus as an adult in the temple, cleansing the temple. Today, we'll be in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, and we'll see Jesus as a 12-year-old boy teaching in the temple. Then next week, we'll see Jesus presented to Simeon in the temple and the prophecy of Simeon. So today, we're in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to verse 52, and I want to talk to you about this subject, the main thing, the main thing. Begin reading with me, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. His parents, speaking of Jesus, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement that he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Remember the power is in the word of God. Join me in prayer. Lord, this morning, take the truth of your word, and I pray that you'd apply it to our lives. I pray that we would see Jesus in a brand new way, always focused on the will of the Father, always keeping the main thing the main thing. I pray this morning the Spirit of God would have complete control and access in this place, and that you would speak, work, and move in our lives according to your will, and that we would hear your word and respond in obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus always had an amazing ability to keep the main thing the main thing. If you're like me, sometimes we have a problem with that. Heard a story about a very, very wealthy man who was uh, driving his brand new BMW. 
He was driving his BMW down the road and he got in a car accident, a very bad car accident. The police officers were on the scene when this man came to. They said, sir, you've been in a very bad accident. We need to remove you from the car. He said, a bad accident. Oh, no. Oh, no. My BMW. My BMW. Oh, no. My BMW. The officer said, sir, you've got a whole lot more to worry about than your car. Your left arm has been severed at the elbow. He said, my left arm is severed. Oh, no. My Rolex. Oh, no. My Rolex. My Rolex. Now, this guy apparently had his priorities out of place, right? But Jesus had an amazing ability to keep the main thing the main thing. In fact, he was absolutely perfect at that. And this is something that you have trouble with. It's something that I have trouble with. Jesus was always laser-focused on the will and the purpose of the Father, Jesus and his family, maybe you're familiar with this story. Jesus and his family were there in Jerusalem. They'd come to celebrate the Passover feast. And when it came time to leave, everybody left, everybody except Jesus. They left Jesus behind. Now, I'll be honest, as a preacher, it's very tempting to preach this passage one way. It's tempting to say, they left Jesus behind. If you lost Jesus, what happens in your life when you lose Jesus? And maybe that would be an entertaining sermon, but that's not the point of the text. The point of the text is not that they left Jesus behind and what happened. The point of the text is why did they leave Jesus behind? They left Jesus behind because he had an amazing ability to focus on those things that were most important. And even, even as a 12-year-old boy, he understood he was consumed with the will of his father. Even as a young boy, He's assuming the responsibility, the purpose of his life. You see, this is the only childhood account of the life of Christ recorded in Scripture. If you want to learn anything about the life of Jesus from about age 2 to age 30, this is where you go. If you want to know anything about the life of Jesus as a child, this is the only story we have, the only information given to us. And so, verse 39 kind of covers ages 2 to 12. Verse 52 kind of covers 12 to 30. And that's about all you get until Jesus begins His earthly ministry. And that means that there's something significant for us to learn. If God only put one event of Jesus' childhood in the Bible, don't you think it was one He figured was pretty important? Don't you think it was one that we need to study and we need to learn as we examine the ministry and the life of Jesus? And so... This morning, I'm going to tell you several reasons why we know Jesus always focused on the main thing. He was always consumed with the will of the Father. The first reason we see here in this text, Jesus was consumed with the will of the Father, kept the main thing the main thing, is because he stayed behind. Because he stayed behind. His family came to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. This was a very important cultural event in the life of Jews. Verse 41 tells us they went down every year. So Jesus' family was a very devout, religious, Jewish family. And it's very clear that his family was concerned about following the law to the letter. If you look at the text, verse 39 says, So when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord. Verse 42 says, Accustomed to... As a, according to the custom of the feast. Verse 43 says, when they had finished the days, but then something very interesting happens. Verse 43, but the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Very interesting. Well, even more interesting is this. And Joseph, 
and his mother did not know it. Now, how can this happen? How can you lose a 12-year-old? Well, if any of you are parents here and you've lost a kid, you know how it happens. But let me give you a little bit of background here. In those days, they would travel in groups with relatives and acquaintances. They would travel in a caravan. So when they left Jerusalem, they were traveling in a caravan. And typically in those days, the, the, the women and the children would travel in the front of the caravan and the men would travel in the back. Well, Jesus is a 12-year-old boy. He's right at that age where he's becoming a man, especially in that culture in that day. And so Mary probably assumed that Jesus is traveling with all the men and with Joseph. And Joseph probably assumed that Jesus was traveling with Mary and with all the children. And when they got a day's journey down the road, they began to look among all the relatives and acquaintances. And guess what? No Jesus. Can you imagine that feeling? If you ever lost a child for any length of time, your heart sinks. Where in the world is he? And so the Bible says they discovered that they didn't have Jesus. Jesus had stayed behind. Listen, I'm telling you, Stephanie and I have five children, okay? When we go to Walmart, when we go to Kroger, we are constantly counting just to keep up. Even at church, if you watch me sometimes when I'm leaving church, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. You know, I'm telling you, it happens Because we can get four of them in the car, and they're just as loud as five. And you might not even know you don't have them all. you got to be careful. And so here is Mary and Joseph. They've lost Jesus. Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, it's it's important for us to understand how that happened, but the, the bigger story is why. Why did Jesus stay behind? Now, this is important for us to understand. There's some theological implications here as well. Why did Jesus stay behind? Was it because he was disobedient as a child? Was it just a childhood indiscretion? Did he not obey his parents? Well, now listen very carefully. The sinless nature of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential to understanding salvation. If Jesus Christ was not sinless, he could not be our perfect substitute on the cross. The Bible teaches that he was absolutely perfect in every single way. So what happened? Was it Mary and Joseph's fault? Was it Jesus' fault? Here's a key to understanding everything you see in the life and the ministry of Jesus. There's a key. It is the mystery of the incarnation. And here's what we need to understand. And this is big. This is important. I want you to hear me closely. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Being fully God, he willingly chose to lay aside certain privileges of deity. That's what Philippians 2 teaches. Not that he was no longer God, but Jesus in the flesh was no longer omnipresent, was he? And in fact, the Bible tells us Jesus grew in wisdom. How can the all-wise God grow in wisdom? How can the omniscient God grow in knowledge? How can the God who knows everything learn things? Is this hurting anybody else's brain? It is the mystery of the Incarnation. Jesus identified with us in every way possible and willingly laid aside certain privileges of deity to become a human being and experience life like you and like me. That's the glory of Christmas, that he would do such a thing. And so when he was a baby, he needed his diaper changed. There wasn't a voice from heaven that said, Hey, I'm dirty, change me. He cried when his diaper was dirty. He had to learn to crawl. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to speak. He spent nine months as a baby in a womb. 
That is the beauty and the glory of the incarnation. And so this God in flesh, God the Son, the incarnate God, grew just like you grew and learned just like you learned, walking through life, yet He was sinless. He was perfect. So the fact that Jesus was so immersed in the feast of the Passover, it's an amazing thing. Listen to what the commentator and pastor John MacArthur says about this. He says, Jesus staying behind was not an act of disobedience to His parents, nor was it irresponsibility on their part. They had never before known him to do anything other than what they had expected him to do. He was responsible, obedient, sensitive, and thoughtful in every way, sinlessly perfect. This act, at the age of 12, marks a significant transition. Jesus was moving from responsibility to his parents to responsibility to God. That's why this is so important because what's happening here is Jesus is understanding that all of a sudden his life is no longer about what has been but what is coming. At the age of 12, realizing and recognizing that he is the Messiah, knowing that he has a task and a purpose. Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? See, we we notice that Jesus kept the main thing the main thing because he stayed behind. Mary and Joseph lost him. Can you imagine? Now, there's something in my house, and I don't know if it's like this with all guys. I assume it is. And if it's like this with all ladies, I I assume it is. It is amazing to me how my wife can find things that I cannot find. And I think you women have this natural gift, God-given gift, ability, talent, magic. I don't know what it is, but it is absolutely amazing because Stephanie can say, will you please go get the honey out of the pantry? I'm like, yeah, where is it? And she says, the honey's in the pantry, third shelf, up to the left, behind the, behind the syrup. That's where it is. And so I will go and I will look to get the honey out of the pantry. And the honey is nowhere to be found in the pantry. Third shelf on the left, behind the syrup, it's not there. And then I can walk away and Stephanie will get up from whatever she's doing. She will walk and she will look on the third shelf to the left, behind the syrup. And guess what's there? The honey. I don't understand this. And I think... I think that God does this to keep me humble, one thing, and I think it just magically appears in the middle of that time. Literally, now we've been married now 11 years. We've been married 11 years, and literally, this is what I will do now. She'll say, go get the honey off the shelf. Okay, it's on the third shelf over behind the syrup, and I'll look, and I'll just stare waiting for it to magically appear. (laughs) She started something a, a few years ago, and we've even taught our boys. She said, go look for something. I just can't find it. She said, are you looking like a man or are you looking like a woman? (laughs) It is absolutely amazing. And I think that's the same gift that helps y'all find things in your purse because we could never, ever do that. You ever lost something? You ever been through something like this? Well, Jesus had an amazing ability to, to keep the main thing, the main thing, and to focus on the life and the ministry that God had called him to. Number two, so we see because he stayed behind, also because he studied the Word. Because he studied the Word. We see this in verses 46 to verse 50. Jesus stayed behind, but where was he? He wasn't hanging out at the local Chuck E. Cheese, okay? Where was Jesus? Jesus was in the temple. The Bible tells us after three days, after three days they found him. Where was he? In the temple, verse 46, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, this wasn't just anything like hanging out at church and uh, spending the night in the baptistry for three days. Very different, okay? This is the time of the Passover. 
And the time of the Passover, there was a temple school there in Jerusalem. It was famous throughout all of Judea. It was kind of like a seminary in those days. The Apostle Paul studied at the temple school underneath a man named Gamaliel. It was an amazing place. And at the time of Passover, all the greatest rabbis from all over the land would come right there to the temple school and they would begin discussing the truths of the Old Testament. No doubt the coming Messiah was a topic of discussion during that time as well. His coming must be soon. Can you imagine Jesus as a 12-year-old boy sitting around with all these rabbis and he's astonishing them. He's amazing them with his understanding of the scriptures. And here they are saying, well, I bet the Messiah is coming soon. I, I wonder when he'll come. And here is Jesus, the Messiah, sitting in front of them. Isn't that amazing? Here he is about his father's business. This is where Jesus was, talking with the religious leaders. And the Bible says, all those who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answer. So for about three days, that's what Jesus did. He talked with the religious leaders. Three days. Why three days? Well, you've got a day to go and discover you don't have your 12-year-old son. You've got to have a day to get back. And you've got to have a day to look for him when you get there. They found him on the third day. So for three days, Jesus was teaching in the temple. Jesus knew the word of God was primary for ministry. What are they talking about? They're not talking about sports. They're not talking about academics. They're not talking about the stock market or the local weather. What are they talking about? They're talking about the Bible. They're talking about the Old Testament. They're talking about the prophecies, the Torah, the law. Jesus was in discussion for three days about the Word of God. He shows us a perfect example of how a follower of God must be consumed with the Word of God. We must care about this precious, priceless book. An unknown writer said this about the Bible. This book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. Its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here within these pages, paradise is restored. Heaven is opened and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design. And the glory of God is its end. It should fill your memory. It should rule the heart. It should guide the feet. Read it prayerfully, regularly, faithfully, and frequently. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. Yes, and to glory eternal. This is the inexhaustible, the inspired and infallible, and errant word of Almighty God. The Bible says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart this book will change your life the word of God Jesus gives us a wonderful example of what it means to place priority on the scripture you see when you have a passion for God you can't help but have a passion for his word And so if you look at your life you say I really don't care to read the word much I really don't care to study the Bible then you need to check to see if your passion for God is waning. 
When you have a passion for the things of God, you will have a passion for His Word. We see Jesus kept the main thing the main thing because He stayed behind, because He studied the Word. And number three, and this is big, because He submitted to authority. Because He submitted to authority. Even though Mary and Joseph, the Bible tells us here, Mary and Joseph did not understand the statement which He spoke to them. Verse 50. Jesus willfully submitted to their authority. Read verse 51 again. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, their home, and was subject to them. You see that phrase, and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. The Bible tells us here that Jesus willfully submitted to the earthly authority of Joseph and his mother. Him submitting to his earthly authority was indeed his submission to his heavenly authority. Submitting to Mary and Joseph in obedience was submitting to the heavenly Father in obedience. It's just like you and me today. We have authority in our lives. We have authority over us. We have government. We have boss. We have uh, law enforcement. We have all sorts of authority in our lives. And when we submit to the authority that God has placed over us, it is indeed submission to God himself. Jesus recognizes that his goal, his task was to be about the will and the purpose of the Father. But notice something very interesting happening in this passage. Jesus understood. Jesus understood the main thing, his purpose. His purpose was to follow God. You can see it when Mary comes to Jesus and says, where, where have you been? Uh, Southern translation, you ready for that? Boy, where have you been? We've been worried sick. That's what we would say today. She says, we've been seeking you anxiously. Mary says, notice this now, your father and I. The Bible says, his mother and Joseph. Jesus says to Mary, didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? Do you see what's happening here? Jesus is giving honor and respect. He's submitting himself. He's subjecting himself to their authority. But he's also saying, I have a higher calling. I have a purpose beyond this. He didn't come just to be a carpenter. He came to be our Savior. And so he recognized his father's business. Didn't you know that I needed to be about my father's business? And notice there's a profound response Verse 50, they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. By the way, if you want to sell out to God, you want, you want to obey him, you want to get radical for Jesus, there are going to be a whole lot of people that don't understand. In this case, Mary and Joseph did not understand what he was saying. You want to follow the Lord? I, mean, I can promise you, some people will not understand. Follow him anyway. Keep the main thing the main thing. And finally, the Bible tells us here in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You know, that's all we get from age 12 to 30. But that's all we need. The Bible tells us he increased in wisdom, intellectually. He increased in stature. That's physically. And in favor with God and men. That's spiritually and socially. From age 12 to 30, Jesus continued to grow, to be about the Father's business. So what do we learn from this? We see Jesus with an obedient, submissive spirit in all humility, as the Bible teaches us in Philippians 2, the God-man, God the Son, the Son of God. 
obedient to the Father's will, submissive to his parents, following the plan and purpose that God has for him. When Christian Herter was the governor of Massachusetts, he was running for a second term. He'd been out on the campaign trail all morning long. He even skipped breakfast and skipped lunch, and it was finally late afternoon, and this campaign stop had him at a church where they were serving fried chicken. Can you imagine that, a church serving fried chicken? And all of a sudden, he got in line. He walked through the line just like he was supposed to. He'd been chasing votes all morning. He was starving. He got in line, and uh, the lady there behind the, behind the serving line gave Governor Herter a piece of chicken. He said, thank you, ma'am. And then she turned to serve the other person behind him. He said, ma'am, I have been working all day, and I am very, very hungry. Is it possible that I could get another piece of chicken? The man said, no, 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 I'm sorry, uh, I understand, but I'm sorry. The rule is I can only give one piece of, ch- piece of chicken to each person. The governor said, but I am starved. She said, sorry, only one per customer. Now, Christian Herter was a mild and unassuming man. He didn't like to really throw his weight around, but this time that man was hungry. So he looked at the lady who was serving the chicken and said, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of this state. She looked back and said, do you know who I am? I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. Now move along, mister. (laughs) It's important for us to always recognize authority, isn't it? Always recognize authority. God has placed authority in our lives, and when we honor that authority, we honor Him. Students, boys and girls, kids, Sons and daughters, always honoring the authority that God has placed in our lives. Moms and dads, with our bosses, or with the government, or with law enforcement, honor the authority that God has placed in our lives. Jesus gives us a perfect example of that. But notice, Jesus had an amazing ability always to keep the main thing the main thing. We get sidetracked, don't we? We'll take a left when we're supposed to take a right. We'll take a right when we're supposed to go straight. We'll turn around when we're supposed to press on. We get sidetracked. Jesus reveals to us here in this text, what is it that we must do? Hey, we've got to listen to the voice of the Lord. We've got to understand our purpose. We've got to stay in the Word and submit to those that He's placed over authority in our lives. Here it is. Jesus says this. Didn't you know that I had to be in my Father's house? Didn't you know that I had to be about my Father's business? What's the point? Here it is. Always keep the main thing the main thing. We are to be about God's business. What business is the church in? The church is about God's business. What's God's business? Reaching people. Ministering to those around us. Loving others and sharing the gospel. 